This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino, San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun. Broadcasting live from the Robert Suarez Studios here at 97.3 The Fan. I mean, we need to name something after him today, right? Something. I mean, I haven't seen the mural yet. Statue's not up. It's uh, Ben and Paul. Woodsy will be back with us tomorrow from Punchbowl Social starting at 6 a.m. That's uh, been unbelievable. He really uh, he really has been fantastic. It's not easy uh, to, to shut down the Dodgers. They actually, uh, I think it was A-Rod who made a pretty good point in the postgame show. Um, yeah, and I did watch some of the post-game show. I didn't watch on game one because they lost, but I, on game two I could stomach it just because the Padres won. And he said the one thing the Padres' bullpen can do that can give the Dodgers trouble is they can throw unhittable strikes. Now, a lot of guys can throw tough pitches out of the strike zone. Dodgers don't swing at those for the most part. So that doesn't do you a ton of good. You have to throw a pitch in the strike zone. That's unhittable. And not even a lot of big league pitchers can do that. But Robert Suarez has shown he can he can dot that corner at 101, and there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, take take the base hit. And it ended a streak of um, how many innings? I mean, since Sunday, the Padres bullpen hadn't given up a hit since, since Sunday. And... It finally happened when Cody Bellinger, former MVP, Cody Bellinger, basically decided to just take a half swing and see if he could, like, poke a ball to the left side, and he blooped one over Manny Machado's head in the shift into left yeah. field. I mean, there was, no, there was no danger of that going for extra bases <laughs> or a home run. He gave up, essentially saying, I can't. I can't hit this guy for real with a real swing. So let's just try to take a little half hack and, you know, maybe I can put it in play. And he did. And give him credit. You know, he gave up something to get on base. And and you need to do that sometimes in the playoffs. That's not modern baseball, though. Modern baseball tells you, what are you doing, man? We, We need runs. We need a home run. You know, you're an MVP. You take your swing. He couldn't against Robert Suarez. And I ended up, you know, the rally started and, and nearly, I loaded the bases there in the seventh inning, and Suarez, of course, got out of it again. But, yeah, he has been fantastic in the postseason. So fun to watch, and, man. Yeah, he it's is, funny because all I mean, year that long. Is so deadly to know you have him and Josh Hader in particular. Yeah, all year long. We didn't really know who was the setup guy for the Padres. It was Garcia for a while. Uh, it was Martinez for a while. Yeah. Um, and you just never really knew. And now... Now, that doesn't mean he's the eighth inning guy, but he's clearly your your second best option behind Josh Hader yep. at this point. And honestly, I mean, one and one A, uh, you know, if if they needed, you know, if Hader pitched like two to three days in a row and had to had to be down, I'd be okay with Suarez in the ninth inning right now, the way he's throwing. Just absolutely fantastic. Padres don't win that game, clearly, without Robert Suarez. I don't think they win it without Josh Hader. Two pickups in very different ways by AJ Preller. One through the old scouting the world and finding the, you know, the gem <laughs> in Japan through the Mexican leagues, a guy who had almost given up on himself in in professional baseball and he found him that way. And the other one, you know, the absolute premier closer of his game that no one thinks is even available, but somehow AJ finds a way <laughs> to pry him away from the the Milwaukee Brewers 
And for a few weeks, everyone was laughing at AJ going, oh, you got damaged merchandise. The Brewers got, you know, the unloaded hater off of you. In the end, I don't know if you saw the comments um, from Milwaukee's general manager at the end of the season, but he said it was a mistake to trade Josh Hader. He underestimated how that was going to affect his team, and basically he admitted he made a bad deal (laughs) with A.J. Preller there in letting Josh Hader go in that situation. So count that as a big win for the Padres general manager on a couple of bullpen fronts that has paid massive dividends now already in the postseason for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, 100%. Could not agree more. Those guys have been just... To know that you have those guys to go to in a high-leverage situation, you can't put a price on that. All right, do you want to relight the phone lines? 833-288-0973. We'll take some calls right after Paulie gives us some headlines. Let's get to it. And get things started here with our... Edition, today's edition oh of boy. the Rindle Report. Now tuned into the motherfucking greatest. Welcome to the Rindle Report with Paul Rindle. Hi, Paul. All right. Two stories from the world of sports that we haven't gotten to yet. We'll start off in Major League Baseball. And one story that you didn't know you needed. Are you laughing, Biatch? It's the Rindle Report. Hey, Paul, how you doing? On 97.3 The Fan. Are you ready to bless the mood? I need some help, please. <laughs> that was good. Oh, yeah. That's for Woods right there. Always. <laughs> and we will start off in Major League Baseball. How about that? Uh, Carlos Correa is going to exercise his opt-out clause and become a free agent, he announced yesterday. Twins shortstop hit 291 with 22 home runs, 64 RBIs, and he scored 70 runs in 136 games this season. He wants to test out the free agent market. Um. Yeah, I mean that time of year that some people are going to have to make decisions and you signed forget, a three-year 105 million dollar deal with the it twins. was it was a weird deal obviously it was kind of a it, everyone found it very surprising that he would go to minnesota and and it looked for a little while oh, this cool deal the twins you know might end up being a contender here didn't work out but i guess that's why you negotiate the opt-out as well if if it's not going well for you then it's one and done and you can go somewhere else I don't know. I don't think he helped his value necessarily. Well, he said, uh, with the year that I have had, my health and my being at the best uh, at the moment of my career at 28, this is the right decision. I have a good relationship with Minnesota. I am very interested in being able to return. I've been in this business for a long time, and I know that things do not always go the way one wants them to. I mean, is he better off at 28 than he was at 27 last year, though? I, I don't think it's necessarily the wrong. A good year, not great. I don't think it's the wrong call. I mean, you know, generally every year salaries go up. So yeah. if you can hit free agency again, go ahead and cash in again. It's not like he had a bad. He didn't have year. some Aaron Judge year. But. No, no, he's not going onto the market like Judge. Um, you know, and clearly he won't be the top prize on that market. There will be other players, pitchers like Judge, like DeGrom, who are going to be I mean, uh, well ahead of Carlos Correa. But three, three years, 105, what is that, 35 million yeah, a year? Yeah, I mean, he'll be one of the top five free agents on the market, obviously, again, this offseason. I don't know that he makes more than 35 million no, a year. No, 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 yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't think he wants to go back more. to Minnesota. This is the, the issue. Yeah, it's a disappointing year. You can't have had your best experience when the team kind of Faltered down the stretch. I, I just, I'd be shocked if he comes if he if he makes more than thirty five million. So that tells me 
he might take the same range yeah. and just wants to be. That, in a that sounds about right. I mean, it didn't didn't backfire on him. He didn't. You know, he didn't have a season-ending injury. He's right. not. He's not losing a ton of money, but he certainly is not. You know, walk into the bank. If and, he had a season-ending injury, he just comes back for thirty-five million next year. Right. That's no true. Big deal. Uh, in the NFL, the media side of things, we do have Thursday night football, Amazon Prime tonight, and uh, the game won't be interesting. The pregame might be interesting because Amazon, they have officially announced that they have hired Marshawn Lynch as part of their Thursday night broadcast crew. Uh, he's not going to be on the on-set staff, per se. He's not going to be in the booth calling games, but at least not for now. He's going to be doing like pre-produced segments uh, that will be featured on the broadcast, whether that's pregame, uh, halftime, anything like that. But they've actually... They've been interested in him. Marshawn doing quirky Marshawn things oh, yeah. with people like he does on, on it's, social media. Yeah. It's going to be appointment viewing. Yeah, usually um, pretty good. They've been linked to him. Amazon has for quite some time, like as far back as January of this year. Uh, he was arrested for a DUI charge in August. We talked about that, and that might have slowed things down a little bit. But ultimately, Amazon announced yesterday that he is going to join the Thursday night football team. And they said, starting this Thursday, we'll have Marshawn Lynch. He won't be on set with us every week. He's primarily going to be in pre-taped segments. And uh, he's going to be working a lot with his former teammate, Richard Sherman, who is on the uh, on-set pre-halftime and post-game set for or crew for Amazon Prime. Prediction. Next year, Kirk Herbstreet will find his schedule is just too busy and unmanageable, and we'll go back to just doing the college stuff on ESPN, and Marshawn Lynch will slide in with Al Michaels in the booth on the Thursday night broadcast. I'll, I'll watch every game. Me too. Every single game. Uh, That's my prediction. That's for next year. They, they won't change it in the middle of this year, <laughs> but I'm thinking next year, that's what I think will happen. Uh, Marie Donahue, she's Amazon's VP of Global Sports Video, and she said... Uh, some of the features will include something like Lynch playing football with local Chicago youth. I would assume you'll probably see that tonight. Um, feeding alligators and anything in between. So something to keep an eye on if you so choose. Sounds like they've been working on this for a while. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have all these features in the can. I got to think he was probably... A, <laughs> if he hasn't been doing it for a little bit. Right. <laughs> I got to think he was probably a pretty uh, hot commodity for between, you know... All the different networks. Yeah, with all the changes that it went on. There's been and, so many changes. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, bet. it's still weird that, like, Joe His Buck agent and was busy. Troy Aikman were now on ESPN. But, uh, and then to wrap things up, Benjamin, on Tuesday, I know today's Thursday, but on Tuesday was National Face Your Fears Day. And uh, we had some radio colleagues in Australia that wanted to do a little bit with that. So, a radio host in Sydney named Aaron Mullen agreed to face her fear of spiders by letting a small tarantula crawl across her hand. And they said, let's let's conquer our fears on the air. This will be a funny bit. They brought in a listener to do theirs first. It went okay. You could hear um, this girl, Erin, in the background. Like, she's having a panic attack. And when it was her turn to go, and I've got audio... She keeps saying that she wants to do. She wants to go for it. She wants to try it. She wants to go for it. They don't even put the spider on her, and she faints 
on the air. Oh, what wow. are you both scared of? Um, we're about to have spiders put on us. Yes. Um, <laughs> how do you feel, Linda? <laughs> if you don't feel comfortable, we don't have to. That's not a problem you at all. You want to stop? No, no, okay. You sure? Yeah, okay. The right. important thing right. is that you feel safe and that oh, you feel comfortable. Oh, no, oh, 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 hang on. All right, hang on. We need to go to a break. Go to a break. We need to go to a break. Yep, we'll come back. <laughs> She's just out. Out. Just out. Yeah. Out. Are you afraid of spiders? I don't know that afraid. I mean, I, I, don't, right I don't love them. I don't but like them. See, I, now, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't dare let one a tarantula crawl across my. No, I think I'd be okay if I knew it wasn't going to like sting me or bite me. Doesn't Australia have like? I'm not afraid of the spiders, but I'm afraid of getting like right. bitten. Doesn't Australia have like the most poisonous, poisonous like, yeah, exactly. snakes and spiders and stuff in the world? Like they always tell you, oh, is it a black widow? We'll look for the little red hourglass. It's like, no, I'm not going to get down there and look for a red hourglass. <laughs> I mean, I have a fear of flying. I have a fear of heights. I guess we could do the show from, like, the roof of a skyscraper. That was National Face Your Fear Day? Yeah, from the Benin Woods of Sydney, Australia. Hmm. Do you remember Fear Factor with Joe yeah, Rogan? I, yeah. No, thank you. It was dumb show. No the, one the no f- one ever didn't do anything. The they eating, always The eating challenges. Yeah. Or every single one of those, I was like... Why am I still watching this? Uh, I'm eating cockroaches again. Whatever. They all did it enthusiastically. Oh, like, they all God. enjoyed it too much. It was all, almost not fun to watch because everybody was so desperate to be on TV and be famous <laughs> that they would do anything. It's like, this is... This, I wanted to see the girl who faints because the spider was on her, but they never had those contestants. Because they're smart. They stay away from their fears. Right. Exactly. Today's National Yorkshire Pudding Day. What would you say if I served you Yorkshire pudding for dessert? What is Yorkshire pudding? It's what you would say. Yeah, you'd probably say this is gross. It's not a dessert. It's a. It's I think a side I know what dish. it is. Yeah, it's just basically a non-sweet kind of like a. It's almost like a wet roll that they serve in England with like food. Okay, like an eggy wet custard roll. I don't particularly a like it. Made of a batter of eggs, yeah. flour, like milk, a, or water. like a popover sort of. Yeah, it doesn't do much for me. I'm it's not, not not pudding. Not no, it's not. It's and which is interesting because in England a pudding is any dessert, but Yorkshire pudding isn't a dessert at all. It's a side dish. You'd like serve it with a good roast beef and and Yorkshire pudding on the side, some gravy. But happy I Yorkshire! Think I, I think I would pass on. That. Happy National Yorkshire Pudding Day to you, Paul, and everybody else out there. What else is it today? It's Navy's birthday. National Navy birthday. Saw day. Navy Craig uh, out at uh, Ale Smith yesterday. It's National No Bra Day. National. I am not wearing a bra. I'm today. not wearing a bra. Wow! Celebrate, Paul. <laughs> See if we'll be celebrating that. We when are I get freed. Home. We are like those women in the '60s. <laughs> Happy National No Bra Day, gentlemen. All right, we gotta go to break. Right, go to a break. Go to a break. Yeah, we need to go to a break. Go yeah, to we'll tra- come back. Go to traffic. We'll come back on 97.3 The Fan.
Kenny Maine has joined the Odyssey family with his podcast, Hey Maine. Hey, Each Maine. week, Kenny will talk to someone who knows a little and is fascinated by a lot. Athletes, musicians, celebrities, and just about anyone else. Download Hey Maine on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey Maine. All right, uh, have time for some more phone calls here. 833-288-0973. As we look ahead to Game 3 of the series tomorrow night between the Padres and Dodgers. Number hopefully four, Blake Snell. Clearly, you're gonna, I mean, we're going to be a little nervous. We don't want to see Blake Snell from Saturday again. We do want to see Blake Snell from all the other starts he made in the second half of the season. Yep. And I, I'm, I'm still fairly confident because Blake Snell, it, it's not like that was his first playoff game and it was just too much for him. He's pitched many, he's pitched playoff games for the Rays. He's been good on big stages. I don't think he was, he was nervous. He just didn't, he just didn't have the command that, that he had had. I, I think he can absolutely get it back. And if he does, the Dodgers could be in a lot of trouble. But if he walks a bunch of guys and the Dodgers, you know, foul off a bunch of pitches and he can't get it over the plate, Dodgers will terrorize Blake Snell. You know that. Yep. That's that's how that's how it'll go. And then we will just it's, be It's really all up to Blake wrecks. Snell, though. It's all up to Blake Snell tomorrow. Uh, let's go. I see uh, Take On Woods legend Roger in Temecula on the line. Hey, man. Roger, good morning. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Um I could not sleep well because I was so excited about last night. Couldn't wait for you guys to start this morning. But I wanted to mention two plays I don't think you guys have mentioned yet. And they were not about Padres on offense. They were Padres on defense. And it was the deke from Juan Soto in right field that kept a run from scoring. And it was the catch by – or the non-catch by Trent Grisham that he normally makes, but – he didn't make that one, but he did stop the ball from rolling to the wall. Both of those kept runs from scoring. Very fine line on a couple of those plays. I thought perhaps the Dodgers were getting a run when the ball got past Trent, but he got oh, up fast yeah. enough and, and got to it quickly enough. Profar ended up coming over and getting it, didn't he? Was it Profar yeah. that got it? Well, either way, he did knock it down enough that, that he prevented the run from scoring. I thought he was going to get that one too, Roger. I I mean, I thought of he's made harder plays this postseason than that one. I mean, it would have been a yeah. great highlight-worthy diving catch, but he's made tougher ones than that. But what does it say about the book now on Trent Grisham is everybody says, I can't go yet. i got to see if he can catch that or not. So they already know they can't run until they know it's dropped. That, it, that right there to me was that, that's two runs. That's a huge difference and. Juan Soto maybe hasn't stepped up offensively, but that was that was a pro play that he knew, I'm not catching this, but I need you to think I'm catching this. And kept the guys that from they had to tag up, basically. So uh, I, those, were to me, were, were really big plays that I think got kind of got overlooked. Solid observations, Roger. Give him another win on Take on Woods for that. No, but he was, um, that was absolutely right. The deep. The deke at the warning track, you see a lot of guys try it, and it's like, come on, you are the worst actor in the world. Um, but if you can sell it a little bit and just get a guy to hesitate, I mean, we saw a situation where I thought for sure Hassan Kim was going to go first to third on a single, and then he didn't get there. Mookie Betts you know, held him there, but I didn't realize he had to, ha- he had to pause for just the briefest of seconds so he wouldn't run into the ball. 
uh, off the off the bat of Soto. Remember, um, yeah. Soto yeah. pulled one, and it was right in front of Kim. And that's, I think we forget how fine of a line baseball is, and and what a game it is. He paused for maybe a quarter of a second to let that ball go by him, but it's the difference between getting to third easily and having to stop at second on a play like that. Nothing he did wrong. You can't let it hit you. You're out if the ball hits you in that situation, so you have to stop. But, you know, tiny, tiny little things that can make the difference in a playoff game and in a playoff series, and there were a couple of them in that game yesterday, uh, including, yeah, the the Trent Grisham non-catch and the Juan Soto deke at the wall on the on the Muncie ball that that turned into the the single there and yeah big plays and good call there uh, by Roger um yeah the Tony Gonsolin situation again I mean he's been very good and been very good against the Padres it's almost staggering how he's such a question mark now based on how dominant he was we'll we'll talk about this tomorrow with Woods I would say but what do you do if you're Bob Melvin how do you stack your lineup against a right-hander after you just did you face two left-handers but you also know that he's probably not going to be in there for that long do you do you totally stack your lineup like more lefties or do you balance it or do you just not change anything and and throw out the same lineup because you know the matchups it's going to be a it's going to be a lot of bullpen guys um it's kind of an interesting dilemma i would think for bob melvin and how he's going to construct it not knowing. I guess there's a chance that Tony Gonsolin feels great and can go five or six. That's not what anyone's expecting. He's only thrown two innings since August. Um, but you can't just assume that he's just going two innings as well. Uh, you have to plan for a, a couple of different eventualities. So, yeah, that's um, that's something that Bob Melvin and his coaching staff are going to have to think long and hard about for Game 3 tomorrow. Something uh, we all might have to think long and hard about is what are we going to watch tonight if we don't want to watch Thursday Night Football because we've got an update here. The Yankees just tweeted out that tonight's Yankees-Guardians game is postponed due to the forecast of sustained inclement weather and will be made up tomorrow, Friday, October 14th at 1.07 p.m. I'm assuming that is 1.07 p.m. Eastern time. So just after we get off the air tomorrow morning at Punch Bowl Social, but just one playoff game today. It's going to be 1230. I wish they could just bump that game up now. Yeah, well, now now there's no game at night. Uh, yeah, it's so it's just... 1230 the... p.m. Uh, Mariners and Astros in Houston, game two. And then uh, tomorrow we'll have three games, so there'll be an early game at 10.07, and then the Phillies-Braves game will be tomorrow at 1.37, and then the Padres-Dodgers game will be the last one at 5.37. That means that that no series will be over. They'll all go to at least Saturday, right? Because no yep. one can clinch tomorrow. Both the both National League series are tied at a game apiece, uh, so those are both definitely going to a game four on Saturday. And then the American League series, uh, no one will be even past game two because uh, they don't play game three until Saturday. So everything will get to the weekend in the division series round uh, coming up. Uh, and then again, yeah, the Yankees. So they've been rained out today. I saw obviously there was some drizzle this morning and and I heard some forecasts about potential for thunderstorms in the East County but I was told last night uh Vanessa doing the weather that doesn't seem doesn't think it'll affect anything like for the game coastally either night. I think it's uh it's those northeastern like mountain range Yeah, yeah. I, I mean there could County. be there could be like some drizzle at some point in the next couple of days but nothing that you would cancel a baseball game over. Now if they were playing it out in you know, the Julian. East County mountains of, you know, yeah, 
uh, Hakumba Hot Springs or something like that. Calamar you know, Mountain. You might have some some showers that you deal with, but uh, they're not. They're playing it downtown at Petco Park, so uh, should be fine on the weather front uh, for this weekend. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we had a great conversation with our friend David Schoenfield from ESPN at 7.30 this morning. Uh, we'll talk more baseball playoffs with David and then wrap things up as we turn it over to the coach, John Contera, and then Woods back tomorrow when we broadcast live from Punchbowl Social starting at 6 a.m. in the East Village on East Street there. More Ben and Woods on the way on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fam. Listen to the soothing sounds of Jesse Agler and Tony Gwynn Jr. Call Padres Baseball right from your phone on the free Odyssey app. Just download it today. Polly, where do you think the goose is right now? The goose on the field last night. Um, apparently, according to um, Talk to me, goose. avian experts, the goose was a migratory bird, <laughs> likely making its way down from Canada to Mexico for the winter. You know, you go from Makes the... Sense. You go to the warmer climates in the winter, and then you go back up to the cooler places in the summer. We should all be geese and live our best lives. Um, it, it landed on the field in the bottom of the eighth inning and was there for one batter. Gavin Luck singled off of Nick Martinez while the goose was on the field. That bat hit the ball. I thought, it's going to hit the goose. Oh I thought, God. I mean, it was headed in the goose's general direction. <laughs> I thought the goose would be a good omen, given that, and A.J. Castleville pointed it out as well, Goose Gossage... You know, used to be the closer for the Padres when they went to the World Series in 1984. Um, and he was good on multi-out saves. So then they bring in Josh Hader to pull off a goose impression, get the multi-inning save, the four-out save. Uh, but they had taken the goose off the field. And uh, I don't know. Some people said the goose would be, you know, released humanely. Others said... Talk to me, goose. That's not going to happen. It's the goose is... is The goose's goose is cooked, essentially. Um <sighs> Apparently, there's like some bird flu concerns. I have no idea where the goose is today. Got a tweet earlier. The uh, San Diego chicken will now be replaced by the San Diego good luck goose. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't entertained. Yeah. Of course, the in the moment. The goose on the field was but memorable. I, f- I felt bad. I thought this thing looks Poor goose. terrifying, yeah, I mean, first of all. There's the bright lights, 40,000 people going No nuts. one made it fly into Dodger Stadium. It chose to be there. Well, seeing the <laughs> videos of it flying around during the break when they did end up catching the goose, he hit the ground pretty hard it a was few confused. times. I don't know if he's confused. I don't know if he was hurt. And then concussion goose concussion protocol what is concussion protocol for, for goose. Geese? How do you know when you can put the goose back in? I don't know. I have no idea. I, uh, Have you ever eaten I goose? goose? I mean, okay. like I you always see in the like old time books that people ate like 
roast goose at Thanksgiving. I've never Christmas story. I have never eaten goose in my life. Never had goose. Not a goose stuffed with a turkey stuffed inside with a duck stuffed inside with a chicken stuffed inside that. A gooster ducking? No, that was uh, that was one hell of a sight yesterday. I saw so many people like um, Katie Wu. I think tweeted a screenshot of a text that she got, and she goes, "Got this text from my friend," and the text said, "So I'm watching baseball right now, and a goose just landed in right field, and it's flying around. They, they're trying to catch it." And she goes, "This is the most baseball text I've ever gotten because you never know what you're going to get with right. baseball. It could be anything." And I will admit, I had a negative thought for a second. When Josh Hader came in in the eighth inning with two runners on and an unheralded right-handed batter. Remember, that's when Dave Roberts pinch hit Austin Barnes for Cody Bellinger uh, to get the lefty-righty matchup, just the backup catcher. And it brought me right back to Game 3 of the 1998 World Series. I was sitting as a fan out in right field at Qualcomm Stadium when Bruce Bochy... Uh, with the Padres holding the lead over the Yankees and trying to get back into the series after losing the first two in New York, brought in Trevor Hoffman in the eighth inning to try to get the uh, the multi, the three-plus out save uh, and get them to, you know, game four, two to one, get them right back in the series. And there were two on, and there was an un, kind of an unheralded, not one of the big stars of the Yankees, right-hander Scott Brocious, uh, who came up against Trevor Hoffman and, hit that three-run home run that gave the Yankees the lead and, and for all intents and purposes, ended the series. It didn't end the series, but it did. Padres got swept out the next day, and when Austin Barnes swung, and he hit pretty deep. I mean, you know, he got some decent contact off Josh Hader. I was having bad <laughs> flashbacks to 1998 because if that ball goes out and, you know, the Dodgers take a 6-5 lead on a three-run home run and they close it out, we're pretty much sitting here talking about how the Padres season isn't over, but it really is. Yeah. I, uh, I I was thinking about it. I mean, Josh Hader really doesn't have anything to prove. He has a very well-proven track record. I know he was shaky at, for a stretch during the season. He's back, and we know what he's capable of, and yet still gets the out in the eighth, and then looking ahead and seeing that you got, you know, bets, Trey Turner and Freeman, I'm going. This thing is when, not over. When yet. they started the eighth, I mean, Freddie Freeman. it was uh, it was going to be the the four five, it was going to be the five six seven batters, and I thought, okay, if you can just get a Martinez one two three, <laughs> then Hader can go eight nine one. Yeah, and you know, and then maybe okay, Mookie comes up, but hopefully there's two outs and nobody on. When two guys got on, though, I go, of course, of course, they're going to get their best batters up. Yeah. In the ninth inning against Hater. And, and Hater ended up winning the war. I guess reassurance that I kind of needed yeah. still, even they, after knowing everything about Josh Hader, for him to come in and just still shut right, the Tomorrow, door. if the Padres have a one run lead in the, ninth, in, the, in the ninth inning, they can't send any better batters up against Josh Hader right. than they already have. So I don't know how much of a confidence boost he needed, but I he, needed he it, got though. it there. I needed, needed it. it. I got it, and I'm, I was glad to get it. I, I also s- love this real quick. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the post-game show. I did not watch post-game on FS1 yesterday, but I did see this clip. Remember uh, David Ortiz, he picked the Dodgers to win, and he got a text message in the middle of the broadcast. Manny. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you texting in the middle of the show? <laughs> My title. <laughs> He's asking me, now what? <laughs> I love that. Now what? Manny like has the receipts for everybody. And called out, uh, called him out on the post game show on FS1. That is great. All right, uh, we're going to do one more check of traffic when we come back. 
David Schoenfield from ESPN on more playoff talk. And then we'll wrap things up with Ben and Woods here on 97.3 The Fan. And now we go to our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline where we are joined by ESPN baseball writer David Schoenfield. David, happy playoffs to you. Good morning. Always good to have you on. It's Ben. It's Paul. Woods isn't here today, uh, but I know he's missing you right now. Uh, unable to recover from last night's win is that why he's uh, something like that you know What's he gets he there? does get very emotional about such things but uh, <laughs> uh he'll be back tomorrow i know you got to pay attention to to all the series i totally get that uh last night's though game i've watched a lot of playoff baseball and and i admit that i am a padres fan so i'm a little biased but that was that was some special baseball really both sides i mean what an entertaining back and forth fun baseball game that was yeah, it really was, and as a Mariners fan, I've seen them play two classics, so uh, I try to be a neutral observer, but so far, we're off to a great start, and last year, you know, hopefully no no Braves fans are listening, because last year's postseason was kind of a dud, you know, not too many exciting series, very few uh, riveting games, a lot of blowouts, so I'm happy as a baseball fan early on to see a lot of great games so far. So the Mariners are in a similar situation, obviously, to the Padres. <laughs> yep. They're taking on the juggernaut of their league, the Astros, in this case. Padres taking on the Dodgers. And I'm all, I'm always torn as a fan. Do you do you want to try to take them down a, a peg and, and, and make them a little more you know beatable and human? Or do you want to just admit, okay, you're facing a great team. If you beat them, you've done something incredibly special. I mean... I kind of go that way. People always get mad and they call it Dodger loving when I admit the Dodgers are a really good team. But I want, if the Padres win this series, I want everybody to know that the Padres took down really a historically good team. And that is what the Dodgers are this year. No, absolutely fair. I mean, 111 wins, most in NL history since, what, the 1906 Cubs. Uh, They are a juggernaut, but they're not unbeatable, which gets to – the good and bad of October baseball, right? You know, anything can happen, but also means the best teams don't always win. Yeah, the Dodgers over 162. They're a better team, Padres fans, but it's okay to admit that because the playoffs are a different beast. Kind of, I compare it a little bit to the NCAA basketball tournament, right? The best team doesn't, doesn't always win, but the whole spectacle, the whole month is, is awesome. And, you know, we kind of accept it for what it is, which is, the drama and the upsets that can happen. Now, and we can't forget, I mean, about some of the other teams, including the Atlanta Braves, who uh, really uh, almost a must-win game last night at home, uh, getting that 3 nothing win over the Philadelphia Phillies. You wrote about the Braves and the way that they've put together their roster. And I, I talked about this earlier in the week. I love what A.J. Preller has done. And the Padres have signed superstars, and Peter Seidler has gone out and spent a lot of money. But if you had a choice of a way you'd like to see your team built, it feels like you'd want to go the way the Atlanta Braves have done it, with their their own young talent locking up a nucleus that, that for the most part now, these guys, they'll be together 2026, 2027. I mean, they, yep. they've got years and years. How did they do this, David? Yeah, it's remarkable what they've done, you know, locking up Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies and Austin Riley. And they just signed Spencer, Spencer Strider, yeah. you know. So, A, you got to come up with the player. That's the hard part, right? Um, their, their drafting and scouting is, is amazing. You know, Harris was a third-round pick. Strider was a fourth-round pick. You know, in baseball, usually those 
picks don't turn anything. They turn into two superstar rookies this year. So kudos to them. But obviously players want to play there. You know, it's not easy to get all these guys to really sign um, team-friendly deals to stay in Atlanta. You know, obviously most players want to play it out, head into free agency, and get as big a, a contract as they can. So there's something going on there in Atlanta, whether it's the, the clubhouse, the winning atmosphere, whatever it is, they're convincing players to sign, you know, so that's hard to do. But yeah, the Padres took the opposite route. They had these great farm systems and they traded most of it away for established stars, um, which look, they were in a different boat. They're trying to compete with this juggernaut up north, you know, so I can understand why Preller did what he had to, but how sustainable are the Padres going to be two, three, four years down the road? We'll find out. Talking to David Schoen from ESPN uh, here on 97.3 The Fan. Uh, our attention turns to the American League today, two game twos, uh, including, as you mentioned, the Seattle Mariners. Can they can they recover from what happened in game one? To take that lead <laughs> and to have it have it ripped away by Jordan Alvarez in a ball. I think it just landed uh, just now, uh, that, that, that ball off Robbie Ray. Can can you come off the mat against a team that good with a loss that devastating? Yeah, boy, that's a tough one. I look, I don't want to say I called it, but as Mariner fans, we saw it coming. Robbie Ray has had struggled down the stretch. He gives up a lot of home runs. The Blue Jays had just knocked him around a couple days before in that wild card series. We all saw it coming. Jordan Alvarez locked in all game. I think he hit four balls over a hundred miles per hour or something like that, you know? Um, so yeah, emotionally, I don't know how they come back, but that's what these guys are trained to do. They're professional athletes. You flush that one down the toilet and Luis Castillo's going for the Mariners, um, coming off a start where he shut out the Blue Jays for, for seven plus innings. So he could go out there and put up a bunch of zeros. That's baseball. I mean, there is no momentum, right? I'm going to stick to that belief. No momentum in playoff baseball. Mila, I like the Guardians. Uh, they got game two against the Yankees yep. after losing to, to Garrett Cole. Maybe it's because they're about 25% former Padres uh, on that team. But, you know, it's it's they kind of are the – this is the playoff series, though. They've scored like four runs <laughs> so far in the yeah. postseason, and yet here they are and still feel like they have a chance in this series. I, maybe – Maybe I'm wrong, but the Yankees certainly feel vulnerable to me. Yeah, look, Cleveland can pitch. They can catch the ball. They can run the bases. What they don't do is hit home runs. Um, I got a stat for you guys here. Since 2016, the team that hits more home runs in a playoff game is 163-30. and 30. That's an 84.5% winning percentage. So, it's hard to win in October when you don't hit home runs. The Yankees led the majors in home runs. The Guardians were last among playoff teams in home runs. So I think the odds are slim. If they win, it's going to have to be 1-0, 2-1, you know, 3-2, very low scoring game, which can happen. You know, you shut down Aaron Judge. It's not like the Yankee offense has been rolling of late. It was 163-29, and 29, though, before last night, right? Because the Padres right. got out-homered. <laughs> By the Dodgers, three to two yep. in that game, and the Padres still won the game, uh, five to three. Uh, well, I mean, what do you? Last thing, what are you kind of expecting now for the Padres Dodgers series as it comes back to Petco Park? I, I asked, you know, Paulie earlier. I mean, 
Padres now have a best of three series with home field advantage, and they've got yep. two of their best starters lined up that have pitched great down the stretch, minus you know Blake Snell's a little wild effort against the Mets in the wild card pitched series. Really well against the Dodgers. Yeah, though. he's pitched well against the Dodgers. He's done it in the playoffs. Musgrove's a gamer. But I can't tell you that the Padres are the favorite, despite all of that, in this series. How do you kind of see it playing out from this point forward? Yeah, I mean, to me, the key game clearly is tonight because, yeah, who tomorrow? But yeah, which Blake tomorrow? Which which Blake Snell will show up? You know, he's um, he's an interesting cat, so we'll see how he uh, you know bounces back. But Tony Gonsolin, what what's he going to offer? He's pitched two innings since August. Um, two or three innings. He had the one short appearance in the last week of the season. Obviously, he was great all year, but I assume they're going to do some kind of tandem start with him and maybe Dustin May or Tyler Anderson. I don't know what they're going to do. But also, I don't know, you guys, the Dodgers are great, but how do every postseason they get into October and we never know what they're going to do with their bullpen. Last night, bringing in Trinan, I didn't understand that move. This guy's hardly pitched, um, been injured all season. They put him in in a big moment, gives up the home run. You know, it just seems like when it comes to the playoffs and bullpen, Dave Roberts never makes the right decision. And that's why it won't shock me if the Padres pull this series out. It's funny because Woods isn't here, and yet I still see him nodding. <laughs> At your comments, he's always going on and on about Dave Roberts and his playoff uh, bull and you know usage and mistakes of the past. The, in game one, he pulled every right string, uh, you know, in the bullpen yep. to get that win. But you're right, last night it did not work out as well. David, we appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for checking in with us and enjoy the rest of the postseason. I'm sure we will talk to you again soon. All right, you bet, guys. Thank you. All right, uh, David Schoenfield on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. All right, that's uh, that's going to do it for us. If you missed it earlier, uh, baseball playoffs today, the Yankees game has already been declared a rainout and will uh, be made up tomorrow morning at 10.07. So that means only one game. It is this afternoon, 12.37 Seattle Mariners at the Houston Astros, and the Mariners need Luis Castillo to come up big again after they, they blew the lead in Game 1. He'll be going up against a tough pitcher, though. Framber Valdez has been about as consistent as anyone in baseball this season. I think uh, he's the only person with more quality starts than you, Darvish, if, I, if I'm correct there. Uh, he's had a really good year for the Strohs, uh, so we'll have Game 2 from Minute Maid Park uh, this afternoon, but that's it for the uh, the baseball today. Coach John Cantera coming up next with Braden, and then we will all be out, including Woods. We'll be back, and Polly, and we'll be out at Punchbowl Social in Hell the yeah. East Village tomorrow morning. Big show. We will be talking with Padres CEO Eric Grubner, okay, and the skipper, the real skipper, not Chris and Escondido, not one of the the sound alikes. All right, so double management report Friday. For a playoff home game. You know, hey, they don't come around that often. Uh, and we'll get you ready for Padres baseball. So we'll see you tomorrow at 6 for Polly Rindel, for Stephen Woods. We'll see you tomorrow, Woodsy. I'm Ben. Enjoy the rest of your day from all of us here at 97.3 The Fan.